This is Health Dose, a conversational podcast that focuses on issues surrounding your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Women who are experiencing heavy or prolonged periods of bleeding between periods may have a condition known as abnormal uterine bleeding. To find out more about this condition and when you should seek help from a doctor, we spoke with Dr. Andrew Brown, MD, an obstetrician gynecologist at MidMichigan Health. Health Dose asked Dr. Brown, how do you differentiate between normal versus abnormal bleeding? Generally, a normal menses in a reproductive age woman, which is typically anywhere from 12 years of age up until about 50 years when I run uh, the average age around menopause is, normal menses typically lasts about four to eight days and it could occur about every 24 to 35 days at fairly regular intervals. That's as far as normal bleeding goes, as far as its duration and occurrence. Anything outside those parameters you would consider abnormal? Exactly. So abnormal uterine bleeding is kind of defined as either more frequent bleeding, heavier bleeding, bleeding associated with pain, or bleeding in between cycles, and specifically any kind of bleeding that causes a negative impact to a woman's well-being. And how does that conversation with your patient normally transpire? How does it come up in conversation? Generally, when we talk about a menstrual cycle, we ask duration and frequency. And there are some patients that say that they can kind of set a clock to their menses and that it occurs very regularly. But there's a decent percentage of women out there who have an issue with their menses. They say that, you know, it seems a little bit longer than normal. It could be more painful. They're going through a lot more pads than they would expect which is the other kind of parameter of abnormal uterine bleeding, the heavy bleeding, which is something that is, is also we, we take into consideration. Is there a vast range of normalcy and is that part of the issue? There is a good range and particularly as it pertains to blood volume. If you look in any medical textbook, they'll give you specific parameters regarding volume should be X, Y, and Z, but that's very difficult to actually explain to a patient. So generally when we're talking with patients, we say, are you going through more than one pad or tampon per hour consistently? And if that's the case, then that's typically heavier than normal. We'll even have patients sometimes they'll wear a pad and a tampon and they go through that in more than an hour. And that could have significant impact on well-being because excessive blood loss can lead to things like anemia, increases risk for iron infusions, blood transfusions, hospitalizations, and requirement for major surgery. Is there one age group that is typically affected more often than others? I mean, is this something that a premenopausal woman would experience more so, or a menopausal or a postmenopausal woman? Yeah, so actually by its, its classification, abnormal uterine bleeding is typically a disorder of quote-unquote reproductive age women. So women who are in their late teens, 20s, 30s, and 40s could experience it. After menopause, after, as we said, the average age of menopause in the U.S. is around 50, 51 years of age, that's postmenopausal. While it's kind of under a similar umbrella, that can have other consequences. What are some of the causes of uterine bleeding? So the most frequent causes of abnormal uterine bleeding, we have broken down into both structural and non-structural components. The structural components that are the most common are things like uterine fibroids and endometrial polyps. 
On the other side of the non-structural, some of the most common causes of abnormal uterine bleeding are things that we would call ovulatory dysfunction, but a translation of that is there's kind of an imbalance in the hormone cycling. And how often as an OBGYN do you encounter this condition? How common is it? Daily. It's a very frequent occurrence. And it's something that sometimes a lot of women out there don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to because they chalk it up to, well, you know, my periods have always been irregular and that's just kind of the way it is. But it could have a significant impact on quality of life, having regular cycles that are predictable and light and just not heavy are very important for quality of life. So these are all things that we consider. And sometimes even during just the, an encounter that I have with a patient when we're discussing it, they start to kind of break it down and be like, you know, this has been the norm, but I've actually really been kind of putting up with this issue and just discussing it with them and realizing that there are treatments or managements out there. People, people get very excited about that. You mentioned quality of life. Are anemia and or blood loss the two biggest problems associated with this? Those are by far and away the most common. So if a woman is, let's say, having either heavy periods and or frequent periods, she's having blood loss that's not being made up by the blood production that a person normally has. And as a result, anemia is something that ensues. And with anemia, you can get a battery of symptoms like fatigue, palpitations, dizziness, just generally feeling tired, getting to the point of requiring blood transfusions or even iron transfusions and hospitalizations. Those are a little bit more serious. Iron infusions can impact quality of life because you have to go into a hospital or an infusion center to get them. Blood transfusions come with many risks associated with them. However, we recommend it when it's truly either a life-threatening condition or if we're concerned about the other organ systems due to the blood loss. So you mentioned you encounter this on a daily basis as an OBGYN. What are some of the treatment options that you provide for your patients? And let's go from the very most simple to maybe the most drastic. Well, treatment options, they're highly variable depending on what the real cause is for the abnormal uterine bleeding. If it's something like we are talking about ovulatory dysfunction, where the hormone cycles are just kind of irregular, a lot of the times we can prescribe things that are typically thought of as methods of birth control. So things like the pill, the patch, IUDs, Nexplanon, Depo-Provera injections, things that are typically associated as a means of birth control, we actually use pretty frequently as kind of the initial step for treating AUB as it pertains to ovulatory dysfunction. Polyps, which are very common, which is kind of a, an overgrowth of the internal lining of the uterus, there's sometimes for a select patient population a time and place for consideration of an IUD, which is also a hormone-containing device. But then there's also minor surgeries like dilation, curatage, and hysteroscopy, where we actually remove the tissue from the inside of the uterine lining, the tissue that's causing the bleeding. And hysteroscopy is we actually place a scope into the uterus so we can take a look at the architecture and see if there's any other pathology. The medication route is typically the least invasive route that we have. The minor surgery route, depending on the etiology, whether it's polyps or even some fibroids, 
if they're in the closer to the inner lining of the uterus, we can sometimes excise those fibroids through a hysteroscope, like we do with the dilation curatage. And then going to the most invasive procedures are typically reserved for women who are completed childbearing and depending on the etiology, if it's particularly women who have symptomatic uterine fibroids who have finished childbearing, then hysterectomy is a reasonable option to take. And is necessarily the hysterectomy the last resort for a patient? Generally so, because it is a major surgery, so we take it very seriously. It's one of the most common abdominal pelvic surgeries offered in the United States, but because it is a major surgery, it's not something that we necessarily jump to first. Depending on the circumstances, we might try medical therapy first or other minor procedures, but uh, hysterectomy is typically the definitive treatment of choice for symptomatic bleeding. Now, with fibroids in particular, because they're a very common cause of heavy bleeding and irregular bleeding in women, if they have completed childbearing and they're far from menopause, a hysterectomy is, is a very reasonable route, especially if they have symptoms like symptomatic anemia or if they've required blood transfusions in the past. Whereas in reproductive age women with fibroids who desire future fertility, hysterectomy isn't typically the best option because in order to carry pregnancy, you still need to have a uterus in order to do so. As a result, we can consider procedures depending on the patient's good candidate, like a myomectomy, which is an actual just removal of the fibroid itself rather than a removal of the fibroid plus the uterus. What kind of outcome do you expect as a doctor and what kind of outcome can the patient expect? Many patients, depending on the etiology, do very well with medication alone, especially if the issue with the bleeding is kind of as a result from hormone cycle dysregulation. A lot of these patients, they do well with quote-unquote birth control medications that we use because it helps regulate the cycles. It can make them briefer, it can make the actual menses lighter, and it can make them uh, more, more regular. And oftentimes that's highly efficacious. If that doesn't work, which it oftentimes does, then we can try a different form of medical therapy before proceeding on to either minor or major surgery. And is this a conversation that's difficult for some of your patients? And if so, what would your message be to the general public to start that conversation with your doctor? Like many topics in gynecology, there definitely is a stigma associated with menses in general. A lot of patients are uncomfortable discussing that initially, especially if they haven't met with this provider before. However, just providing an environment with which a patient feels comfortable, that's the most important thing. But then kind of going through the causes of it together, kind of understanding what her issues really are is kind of like the first step in the right direction. And then also the steps going forward. I think it also gives a lot of people some reassurance when you say, this is what I think it is, and here's where we go from here. And the next step can be things like imaging studies, like ultrasound, they can be biopsies, an EMB is a very common procedure that we do, which stands for endometrial biopsy, which is a sampling of the inside of the uterus. 
and then even giving them the subsequent steps of what do we do if we find that the uterus has fibroids on the ultrasound or what do we do if it looks like there are polyps and what do we do depending on the biopsy results that we find here are the different steps that we can take and i think just having that discussion is an important first step that is mid-michigan health obstetrician gynecologist dr andrew brown if you believe you may be experiencing abnormal uterine bleeding or have other concerns about your periods, experts recommend that you talk to your gynecologist or your primary care provider. Dr. Brown and his colleagues see patients in more than a dozen convenient locations throughout the middle of Michigan. For help finding a gynecologist near you, go to midmichigan.org doctors. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Thank you so much for listening. Check back again soon for another edition of Health Dose.